Hello and welcome to the EA Anthony Beck and Bart Scott podcast. But there is a problem today, Anthony. There is no Bart Scott. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's uh, he seems to be very busy. He's got a lot of stuff going on. You'd, you'd seem to think at uh, 8 a.m. Uh, when we're recording this in the morning that we could probably jump on here and, and grab him. But uh, he, he may need some beauty rest, too. You know, long days. Uh, so we'll, we'll give him a little forgiveness week one for sure. We are going to ask the fans for their suggestions for our podcast name. I love it. You have a tentative placeholder, the, the Landing Gear podcast. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's cool. What do you think about that? That's we a have, solid name. You know, it's funny because there's, there's so many like, uh, you know, it's like you want to use something built in with a jet, right? Like, you know, right. something like that. And, you know, I was come, trying to come up with one for my podcast. I was like, man, there's like, it's just so hard to find work. But I like that. Jet gear's good. That's a good one. Yeah, it's okay. So landing gear, we'll see if it's the keeper. We'll see if the fans like it. Uh, Anthony, throughout the year, we're going to be talking about the Jets, the National Football League. We're going to dive into some college football as well. I know Bart wants to talk about pop culture, so you're going to be up on that? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I guess I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to look at some TikToks and Snapchats and stuff like that and figure it all out. Uh, first things first, it's midweek here at One Jets Drive. You're down in Tampa. Um, for Jets fans, the the world is falling apart right now because of what happened in week one. You used to be a player. Uh, you were in the locker room before. What's the temperature right now there? And how quickly do you have to, okay, it's one game, fellas, let's go. Yeah, I mean, you know, from the fans' perspective, and, and that's how we kind of look at it now, me being a former player, you you know, you should be disappointed. You, you want, you're excited. You know, every team that's out there uh, had a, a crazy offseason. You know, they didn't have the, the full gamut of, opportunities and, and and preseason and all that stuff. And and there were some teams that went out there and, and, and had great weeks, right? And then there were some, there were a lot that people were surprised about. You know, I, one thing about that is, as you say, yeah, you got to kind of, you know, level out as far as what you think this team will be off of 65 snaps, right? Uh, that, that's not how it works in the league. I, I, I say this all the time when I talk about uh, NFL games. Whatever you did the week before doesn't guarantee you anything the next week. And that's good and bad, right? So you always have an opportunity to improve. Now, when I look at the Jets and I watch their film, do, do I see ways that they can improve or could have been better in that football game where next week they can automatically just, you know, put up more yards and do better things? Absolutely. You know, catching footballs, right, is, is not a, uh, you know, end of the season situation. That, that gets better. Uh, you know, accuracy in the pocket, seeing things after one game when you didn't have any live action, that's fixable and that can be better the next week. Uh, I thought the offensive line, nice start for them. You know, it was a good start for the offensive line. Uh, it, it, can it be better? Absolutely. That There's still cohesion and, and cohesiveness that has to be bound together that takes a couple weeks and that's everybody. Now, the, the end result, you know, being down 21 nothing, all those things that happened in the game – that's not ideal. It's not a. It's not great for the eye, the eyeballs, right? But I think what happens is, from a player's perspective, is you're very critical of yourself on the film. I think the coaches should be very critical of the players on the film because you know there were plays in the game that Adam Gase called that if they were executed, they're good plays, right? 
and vice versa. I'm sure Adam wants to have uh, some plays back that he could call differently, but that's how it works in, in the week to week process. You I find things out. It's funny. I talked to him about that this week. We were taping for his show, Adam Gay's show, which airs locally in New York, 1130 AM CBS. <laughs> uh, he said the flow of a game can change just by a couple plays because instead of back to back or three consecutive three and outs, you're on the field for additional three plays. And there are a couple plays early in that game where Sam Darnold's got Brashad Perryman open and he hits that ball nine times out of 10. And does that change the outcome of the game? I'm not saying that, but it, it changes the temperature of that game, the tempo of that game early because the Bills just took off where the Jets couldn't get a stop early and the Bills just consecutive drives over and over in the end zone, you're down 21 nothing, And then your game plan has to shift. You're right. And I think, you know, you're, you are talking, you know, when you start a game, you have a certain script of plays in your mind. You know, I don't know if Adam has, you know, when we played, when I played, you know, with Gruden, he'd have 15 plays scripted out. And it wasn't in that order, but you wanted to get these 15 in. Guys read it overnight. They knew it was to expect. But that changes, right? Like you said, uh, you know, you get down a couple scores or you have a couple three and outs or maybe the runs that you thought were going to be really good versus that front don't pan out. So now what? What's the alternative? And can you figure it out quick enough before a, uh, a crazy situation happens where, oh, man, all of a sudden you're down 21 nothing. So, you know, I think it's overall, too. It's it's defense, get, you know, getting off the, the, the field on third down, you know, not giving up drives. I mean, look, the Bills had a good game plan. It worked. Everybody comes in with a thought of a good game plan, but you have to execute it. And, you know, the, the Jets have an opportunity to be better at that. Uh, and I think they can. You know, this is not a Super Bowl team coming in next week that played the Super Bowl. Four Niners are a bit different when we get to that. But uh, you can definitely get better on a lot of the things. There's a lot of improvement, right, for the, for the Jets to happen uh, this week. Uh, uh, Mike Tyson always used to say that it's uh, great to have a game plan until somebody punches you in the face. No doubt. And then you got to adjust on the fly. And right now the Jets took a punch in week one. There's no doubt about it. But what were you most encouraged about? We saw Marcus May stat stuff for, what, 10 tackles, two sacks, two pass defenses, a forced fumble. You mentioned the offensive line. Adam seemed very pleased with the play of that front overall. And rookie Makai Becton's getting a lot of love out there in social media circles from people people who study the tape and watch the All-22. You're right. You know, look, uh, it was a good start for Makai. He went against a formidable opponent, a few guys, you know, Jerry Hughes, good players on the edge. Uh, he had a really nice finishing pancake block to the second level. You got you love seeing those things. And we talked about this in, our, in the pregame. You know, this kid loves playing the position. He, he gets – amped up to do it you can see his passion on the field now what are the things that normal high-end rookies coming in playing left tackle there aren't many right that that start day one what are the things that they need to get better at well Makai said it after the game he said the speed of the game well okay we hear that from the quarterback's perspective we hear that from running backs and wide receivers but what he's talking about is okay when you know, you got an outside defensive end and they come up the field, stick their foot in the ground and they immediately cross your face. And then there's other some move, and there's other movement around you. You have to react better. And that becomes something that you see. Right. You, you kind of get that sense so you can move to it 
a little quicker. And, you know, if it's something from a standpoint of another player where it's a cross and a, and a linebacker comes off the edge, anticipation. So it has nothing to do with he's slow and he can't do it. What he's saying is, it's just, man, on Sunday's game day, which they haven't had, he hasn't had, it's full go. It's game. full blast, man. You got to go and be ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have taken a look at the San Francisco 49ers, obviously advanced the, the Super Bowl last year, disappointing outcome for them at home, where I thought they had opportunities to put maybe Arizona away early. Uh, I thought they were better to play early in that game against the Cardinals, but uh, Kyler Murray got it going on the ground. What do you see 30,000 foot view as we look ahead to the 49ers in this matchup? Yeah, I mentioned they're, they don't look like the same team from the Super Bowl and uh, not because they haven't got a lot of work together. I mean, they're banged up, number one. Uh, they really don't have a legitimate one slash even two receiver on the field right now. Debo Samuels is on IR. He's out. Travis Benjamin, uh, COVID out, so he decided to opt out to the season. Uh, so they're, they're they're really utilizing some players. They're they're Ayuka out. Ayuka well. first. He, he may he gets back in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, he may be back. But I mean, again, he he's gimpy. Hasn't played an NFL game yet. And, and Kittle coming out of that game when I watched it, he got his a knee injury. He came back and played. But again, you know how did that feel during the week? So and, and Garoppolo did not look um, as clean. Uh, as maybe I've seen him in the past. And he doesn't get a lot of credit for what he does. He's a game manager specifically because that's how their offense is run. The, the key for their offense right now that they're utilizing, and I, I got to think it'll amp up even more, is the backs. Tevin Coleman is a guy that's got great, great speed, elite speed. He gets the ball. You see it immediately. He's not messing around with the line of scrimmage. He's trying to take every opportunity to get through and break a big one. And he has that potential. So gap sound defensive lineman is going to be huge in this game. Also, you know, their run style, you think about the old Broncos, right, with Terrell, uh, Terrell Davis, that outside zone, all the linemen going left and right in the back. You know, he kind of feels it, sticks his foot and goes. He either goes outside, he goes inside, or he cuts back. So discipline on the backside is going to be well uh, big as well. So, you know, I think they're going to lean heavy on a run game. Um, uh, uh, what is J Jarek uh, Jedrick? Uh, Excuse me, Jerry, Jerry McKinnon. He's, he's it, back, and uh, you, uh, Raheem Mostert is another guy. Yes, had a huge game. Yeah. yeah, he had a huge game. So offensively, I think from a defense perspective for the Jets, they should feel good about the opportunities, what they're going to see on film, how they did it against Arizona, and what they're going to be on. So there's going to be some things, and I, you know, the game plan will be different. A lot more guys are dropping in coverage versus the Bills. I anticipate a little more aggression in this football game. You can get some more guys in the box. You got three receivers that will be on the field for, for the 49ers that had four catches total. Uh, so, and those, those are, those are considered their ones and twos and threes right now. So that, that's not good. So they're heavy running back, heavy tight end offense defensive line. Now that for the 49ers, that, that's a different ball game, right? You yeah. got Osa Armstead D Ford is there. I mean, these guys are legit. You know, Quan Alexander, one of the best, fastest linebackers in the NFL. So those core guys are good. But when you get, if you can get a little protection and hold them off, now you're talking about a second level. No Richard Sherman. They got a bunch of cornerbacks that are injured. Their best cornerback, excuse me, their their best ta leading tackler in the game was a cornerback. Not a good formula for success for a defense. I think their uh, uh uh, Coleman was his name. He got 15 tackles in the game at the cornerback position. So not a good deal either. He's given up a lot of plays or he's got to be in support. 
So again, there's opportunities on the field for the for the Jets to have a, a positive game on both offensive defense. The Jets, the Jets historically have been very good against the run, and I know Josh Allen did damage last week, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But Jimmy Garoppolo, you don't have to worry about him running uh, some RPOs. That's that's not their deal there. Uh, you mentioned uh, that wide zone run scheme the interesting part of that like you mentioned is everybody thinks that automatically means they're running wide no they're moving wide and that running back has an option to cut it back inside and a lot of times they're cutting it right back up the middle but um like you said for the jets i actually think this is a a better opponent for them to maybe prepare for defensively because Allen puts so much pressure on you because it becomes a numbers problem, right? Yeah, you know, his legs clearly last season, game one, again, reared its ugly head in, in game two, uh, Game two, obviously game one this year. Um, and, and listen, he got into a really nice groove passing. I don't think anybody expected him to to throw the ball with the consistency and accuracy that he did in that football game. You, you drop, you know, eight guys because you feel like he's not going to be able to read the zones and do good things against – against your uh, pass defense, but, you know, he was able to check down, do some things short, open it up a little bit. And, you know, that, that ultimately with the, the ability to ru- move with his legs and run that, that, that you're right. That is a, t- a tough combination. And look, the jets are going to face teams that have those similar situations uh, from a quarterback position. So uh, it's good tape for them to learn from, uh, but there, you have to figure out how to stop that. It's a divisional opponent. You got to get better at it. And again, yeah. Even though Garoppolo isn't a guy that does those kind of things, when you got running backs that can cut back at any moment, every guy up front has to be in their gaps. So, again, a lot of emphasis is going to be on the defensive line play. You're hitting the nail on the head. Neville Hewitt and everybody's talk this week has stressed eye discipline. I think I've heard it more leading up to this ball game than maybe all of last year just because of the way San Francisco approaches this um, you know, uh, Neville made a reference, elephants on parade. Uh, you, yeah. don't, you don't hear that too often, but uh, the 49ers, they're going to put some stress on you. Uh, Kittle, real quickly on him. What do you do, what do, you do defensively uh, to negate or not negate him, you get to contain him, even though he's banged up? He's a unique player, Anthony. You played the position. This is a guy the last two years who's had – between 80 and 90 catches over a thousand yards receiving and 10 total touchdowns. And he's a great run blocker. So what do you do against Kip? Well, you get, you don't let him beat you in the pass game. He is really, really fast up into his routes uh, on the football field. He can get across the field better than anybody. And what he does in his pass routes with the speed is he has unique technique, unique technique. So, again, understanding leverage, breaking points, he has a great mix of that. Usually you have tight ends that have good speed and they run and they just kind of run by guys. Then you have like a Witten who's not very fast, but he just understands how to find windows and run off guys. So he always has space. He's a combination guy. So to me, and we talked about such a weak receiving core for the 49ers, you got to bracket him, always have two eyes on this guy. All right, that, that's kind of the plan going into the football game. And don't let him beat you. And then put the pressure on your corners or somebody else, whether it's one-on-one coverage, to defend everybody else. You know, let 
you know, Pettis, the, the receiver, beat you. Let these guys go out. Trent Taylor, let these guys be the guys. Make force them to be good after coming off a game with only four total catches between the three wide receivers. So that that's kind of what I would do. Okay. That's and I, you know, Greg Williams isn't isn't dumb. He sees this. He knows who are the guys. You got to take away their their top guys. But the problem is this. The backs out of the backfield negate a little bit of those bracket things you can do with linebackers because you got to have eyes on backs. And uh, one route that, uh, you know, I want Jets fans to be alert on is the back out of the backfield. So he'll start on the backfield. I'm the quarterback. He runs out on an angle and then he comes back in. Well, that was heavily thrown. That was thrown. touchdown last week. Yeah, that was heavily thrown the game. But the, the, the issue is if the backer now sits on that, he has another – he has an option. He can go in or he can take it up the seam. So it's a difficult route to defend, especially now when you're talking about you got tight ends and stuff like that that are really good. So uh, it's going to be a lot of stress on the linebackers. When you have backs and, and tight ends that can do those kind of things, I mean, it's it takes unique work during the week, which you don't have a lot of at a high, high tempo rate. And, of course, film study, which is only one. But, again, these are things that are on tape in the past. So just hearing you talk right now, I'm wondering if the Jets want to employ maybe some three safety looks this week because Ashton Davis is a very good athlete. And you would, I would think he's one of the faster players on the Jets' defense. Again, this is so early in his career. And the other point of this is you got Bradley McDougal, but Marcus May was so effective in the box, but he is also a rangy guy who can cover. So how do you use your safeties this week? Yeah, you're right. You know, Marcus was kind of all over the field, multiple positions, uh, attacking positions, which were good. You know, we need that. And he showed out big. I mean, I think we talked about it. he would have been AFC player, the defensive player of the week if the Jets had won that game. So, um you know, it's it's interesting. You know, you want to be aggressive because you're right. Garoppolo's not a guy that has a lot of movement. He's got good awareness, though. He's got good internal clock in the pocket, so he's good at that. And But, you know, when you have the backs and the quick things that they're able to hit and get out of the hand quickly, then you're like, okay, well, you don't want to get caught in space mm. with the back and a linebacker. So it is a, a chess game, right? That That's that's what it is. You know, Greg Williams is – that that he's a great chess player. And this will be good because Kyle Shanahan – Look, I've known Kyle for a long time. Kyle, from when he was a ball boy with his dad in, in Denver, when he's pouring coffee and drawing cards with me in Tampa, this guy's yeah. elevated quickly, but he understands matchups. He's very good at that, and that's something that he's going to try to utilize. Even though he's 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 undermanned offensively as far as firepower, he's going to find where he can get those little matchups and uh, take advantage of them. Uh, you all have to watch pregame central for more analysis yeah. from Anthony Beck about. Jets 49ers. That's 11:30 Sunday. Lastly, on this game, before we start talking a little bit more about the entire division, do they move the guys up front? Will they move Bosa around? Will they move Armstead around? Will they move Ford around? Because, in particular, I'm thinking about Beckton. Who is he mostly going to be matched up with this week? It's going to probably be Bosa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, look, and and then here's the difficulty. Okay, when you watch the game. They have wide nines all day long. So that means that the, the defensive ends will be about a full body and a half outside the tackle, and then they'll be angled. So feet will be kind of cocked out, hand, helmet, shooting towards the quarterback, and they'll be in low stances. So him and Armstead will be coming off that edge hard. So what it gives them, it gives them ability to get some, some momentum forward. And then if they're really good and have multiple pass rush 
kind of moves, then now, now you're like, okay, you can get the tackle on an island. How can I beat them? And, and that's kind of what they did against Arizona. Now, Humphreys, DJ Humphreys, our tackle, did a decent job. But look, it, he took his, his bumps, and he's been in the league for a couple of years, and he's a highly paid guy. Uh, the, the Bosa one-on-one with any tackle in the league is, is a tough deal. So how do you counter that? You know, what do you do? You, do you have a back? Okay, do you have a back chip? Do you have the tight end kind of, you know, get in space? You know, you normally – sometimes you don't have to even touch the guy. Being that he's a wide nine, if you just have the tight end standing there – and just being in a spot, and he can make him hesitate for a second, even if he doesn't touch him, that maybe give that gives the tackle enough time as well to kind of get locked in and shut him down a little bit. Of course, the extra tenth of a five tenths of a second the quarterback needs. So he'll be challenged this week. I mean, you know, he's there's a ton of film. It's not like he's you got to go back 15 games to figure out how he, he does his stuff. You know, Bosa is aggressive. He's got a quick inside move, and he's got a motor that doesn't quit. The guy does not stop. It's a unique deal because usually guys that are uh, premier pass rushers, they, they take off some snaps, right? They're just not – this guy, dude, hard, heavy run. He goes heavy pass. It's going to be an all-day challenge. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be good. Might as well do it early. Do it early. Yeah, get, yeah, get it, going. Is, it is going to be fun because he, he goes against Jerry Hughes last week, and Hughes still a very effective player at 32 years old. Now you're facing a guy in Bosa who had nine sacks as a rookie, and he can bring it off the edge. And, you know – Spotlights on Frank Gore this week, but we'll talk about that on pregame central. Uh, let, let's continue uh, talking about quarterbacks now in the AFCs. What do you think about Cam Newton? What you saw out of him first appearance with the New England Patriots? They take down the Miami Dolphins, much different offensive attack with Newton at the controls because a lot of called runs for their new quarterback. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, look at what Josh Allen, very similar, but, you know, better, right? They utilize them even more. Um, look, I, it's tough to defend that. Uh, you know, they had 215 or 16 yards rushing uh, overall between backs and quarterback. Uh, the one thing that I, de- I did see is Cam Newton took a lot of shots. Hmm. And that's one thing that, you know, if 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 you're looking from the outside in, you're worrying about that, Okay. Yeah, it looks good. It's it's great when you get those yards, and it's it's it puts defense in a, in a strain. But man, you know you're one hit away from a guy, you know, you know, cracking a rib or you know thigh bruise. I mean, he's not a little dude. He's not squirty. I mean, you watch a guy like Kyler Murray this weekend who rushed for 95 yards. Nobody even touched the guy, right? He's he's so quick and elusive, and he gets out of bounds. It's just hard to get shots. Cam is like, okay, you saw him run into the end zone. He's not as like you know, nimble and he, he dives in and two guys just railroad him out, outside of the uh, out of bounds. I mean, so, uh, you know, those things will add up over time. And I think that's where the problems will start happening. OK, like, you know, through the week when he's banged up, like how, OK, we got to pull back a little bit on this or they just say, you know, we're just going to ride it out and just see how it goes. Who knows what, what, what Belichick and those guys think. But I think from from a from a standpoint of the longevity of his of the season, I can't imagine that's going to be a game plan that's going to work week in and week out. So how does what's the counter, right? The passing game is okay, but it wasn't great. So they're going to have their issues as the season goes on. I don't think they can maintain, but early on, I mean, listen, that's it's tough to defend that. A Patriots, great organization, elite coaching staff. Their roster took some hits in offseason, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, and they look a lot differently offensively. They're always going to be competitive. Are they still with Newton, the team to beat in the division. They've won 17 of the last 19 AFC East championships. Um, Where do you land with them now? And it's more 
than just Cam. But, I, you know, I'm just looking at the landscape from the quarterback position and how different this team is now. Well, they're going to learn and understand the the attributes that Cam brings to the table. Um, you know, Cam obviously is going to have a chip on his shoulder this year uh, to, to do something great. You know, listen, you got to give the Patriots the benefit of the doubt because regardless of the guys that opted out on defense or this or that, they're well-coached, well-disciplined. And really that takes and trumps a lot of talent sometimes. We've always seen in the last couple of years, they don't have a lot of talent at certain positions, but they still find ways to win. Well, they're disciplined. They understand their technique. They're in the right spots. And that's that's put on a high demand. You know, across the league, it's not like that everywhere. It really isn't. It's that That's the difference between what they've been able to do for the last 20 years compared to what teams are have aspirations to do because, you know, influx of different players, you know, free agency, you know, high-end players that kind of do it their way. The, the, the guys that are on that roster do it their way, the, the, the coaching staff's way, and that's how they teach it. So when you see them on Sundays, it gives them a better chance to win football games or at least keeps them in it because of that, and that's the reason why you lean on that for them to be the favorites. So. Where are you on – Josh Allen, polarizing figure. There's a lot of people can't stand him, don't think he's ever going to be accurate enough. There are other people think that, hey, this is a guy who's continued to get better from year one to year two when he started year three with a very good game. That first time in his NFL career where he passed for more than 300 yards, a great athlete. Uh, I don't know how you want to describe him, Anthony. Some people would say this is a fantastic athlete who plays quarterback, but you know, is the game changing? Whereas maybe Josh Allen didn't work at 10, 15 years ago, but his style is right for the NFL right now. Yeah. Again, you know, it's, it's that kind of um, happy medium. How do you want to utilize him? Yeah. He ran the ball quite a bit. I don't, I don't recall him taking too many shots, but he did on the fumble early on the game. He almost got flipped over. I mean, listen, those, those things are dangerous. I mean, it's always surprising. You know, I remember when, uh, uh, John Gruden was on the Fired Coaches Association in Tampa, and I used to go to his office, and we used to watch film. And that year, RG3 was a quarterback that was doing a lot of this stuff for, for uh, Washington. And he made a cut-up. I think it was like halfway through the season. He made a cut-up of RG3, and this was the year they went to the playoffs. Uh, he had like 117 hits, and he put them all in one film. And it's like, man, like, dude, he and he's showing me these. He's like, how does your quarterback sustain this for the year? And obviously what happened? He didn't. He got hurt. Uh, so it's it's just amazing to me. Again, it is the ultimate extra guy if your quarterback can do it. But, man, there's, there's, it's, it's like high risk, high reward with that. So uh, now the passing side of it, yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. Now, did he throw anything deep down the field, things, you know, where he needed to make a big play? No, as a lot of it was in within 10 yards, I'd say. I didn't see anything crazy. I mean, look, perfect example of what Josh Allen is sometimes is that that goal line situation when he rolled out to the left and the guy, I think it was Brown, was wide Brown open Brown. and he threw it 15 feet over his head. So, you know, does he still have a little bit of that in him? Yes. Do you hope you pick a day when you're playing him that he does that? Of course. But that that's still there. The biggest thing I think for the Bills that they tell them every week, probably in the meeting room, is look, just just don't don't turn the ball over, and if it's not there, just just get rid of it. I mean, they have a good defense; they can sustain. They do what they want to be in the game in the fourth quarter, and and then roll the roll the dice, and that's what I think they're continuing to ask him, along with trying to grow him through the season. Yeah, he looks like an ascending player to me. Now that's a small sample size that first game against the New York Jets, but. His accuracy, the way he's scanning the field, um, the athleticism's always been there, right? So 
he's going to be one to watch. He's matching up with the Miami Dolphins this week. And that's what I wanted to ask you about their quarterback situation. Ryan Fitzpatrick, tough day at the office in week one against the Patriots. But uh, interesting situation because it's a delicate balance there. Fitz played very well for the Dolphins last year, but you got Tua and, you know, at what point do you start thinking about possibly putting in your rookie rookie quarterback? Well, you know, I think from what we're hearing and what I'm hearing is it's 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 straight medical. So regardless of what Fitzpatrick does, um, you know, if he's not ready to go medically, they're going to try to buy as much time as possible. Now, or medically, is he okay? And they're just trying to push it as much as they can. So if that moment comes that Fitzy just, you know, has 10 interceptions in first four games or something like that, and they say, okay, well, he's ready medically. We're just buying time to get him more acclimated. We're going to put him in. You know, he was dressed in the game. I, um, you know, I, I don't know what their situation is. I, I don't know how to, how to you know, you dictate what that injury will do. I think that's what what they keep in mind. And, you know, is there going to be a point where they feel like they need to play him? They will. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, Fitzy has those kind of games. That's not – you're not going to win ball games. But they've also seen a, another side of Fitz where he can come out and throw four – four interceptions or four touchdowns. So if they can get more of those early on, then they can delay the process. I mean, they want to win games. You know, there's no tanking and we get that. But, um, you know, I think they just would like to try to get through this season without playing him if possible. And I think that they're going to try to keep that as much as, as much are, as they can. Are you, are you surprised by some of the love out there for the Miami Dolphins? Peter King, uh, tremendous reporter. You know, we all read him, uh, you know, throughout the years for decades now. He actually picked the Miami Dolphins to win the AFC East this year. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, look, I, yeah, Peter King's been reporting for a yeah. long time. He does a good thing. You know, does a lot of good things and he's got great sources, which is great. But I would say that that's, they got a nucleus of players. That's promising for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt. They've accumulated draft picks. They've gotten some guys. It takes time. I mean, you know, Two is not going to come in and just wow you. I mean, look at jo uh, Joe Barrow. Did a decent job, but still just showed a lot of rookie uh, inconsistency. So, um, you know, the sky is 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 bright for for those guys. There's no doubt. But I mean, this year, I I just don't see. Maybe he's looking at the d division overall and thinks there's an opportunity there. They may not win a lot of games, but they can keep it close. But to me, I just not this season. Okay, so we're entering week two right now. Who is your pick to win the AFC East? Well, I mean, com coming out of uh, just the the first week of what yeah. I've seen, I'd say the Bills would be the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, okay. you know, yeah, I, I do know the Patriots played well, but they, they won, what, 21-11 against Miami at home. So it wasn't like they knocked the, the, the doors off these guys. So uh, I would say that, uh, you know, for me, Buffalo looked really good. And, uh, you know, they really haven't tipped the iceberg as far as utilizing some of their weapons. In my, you know, Cole Beasley really didn't do anything in the game. They didn't need to utilize him. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a big factor for them on third downs. We'll see what he brings to the table. And Diggs got warmed up, but they didn't try to take any shots with him. So, again, uh, I, I, I foresee them. To, they can get better, even though, you know, uh, we feel like because Josh, Josh had a 300-yard game, they may have maxed out. I don't think they did. So, right now, they're, they're the leaders in the clubhouse. Who are you rooting for if you're a Jets fan Sunday night? Hopefully the green and white secure the home opener against the 49ers. But it's the New England Patriots versus the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, the Jets made a big trade with the Seahawks in the offseason. Every time the Seahawks lose, that's a good thing for the Jets because right. they have 
their first round pick, not only 2021, but 2022. But, you know, their record is going to be important come April for the Jets because that's the second first round pick they have. And, <laughs> you know, and Jets fans, we know what they think about New England. So what are you rooting for? There? <laughs> well, well, listen, I mean, let's let's be honest. Seattle's a good team. I mean, if we're rooting for Seattle to go four and 12, you forget about it. It's not happening. I mean, you know, if you watch any of the Falcons uh, Seahawks game this past weekend, you're like, man, like these dudes are good. Like, you know, Russell Wilson's like uh, the real deal. And he continues to shine. He's and as good as any quarterback in the league, yeah. maybe except Mahomes. But on a lot of days, I think he's just as good as Pat Mahomes. Just a no different doubt. player. At, well, and then to go back, who am I rooting for? Uh, I'm rooting for Seattle. I mean, listen, we're, we're playing this season. We we need we need the Pats to lose games. I mean, that that's just what it is. The, the Jets want the Patriots to lose. I would want the Patriot uh, the Patriots to lose as well. You'll figure out the draft pick and all that stuff later. You know, the draft is. Is different. You can you you find guys and you do your homework regardless of where they're drafted. You know you expect all your draft picks to be good regardless of where they are. So if a guy's drafted in the high second or low second, you know you do your homework and get the right player that's going to help you. You're going to be fine. Whereas you know, look, this season, man, it's it's about wins and losses. So uh, I would say that Joe Douglas and company, and then the rest of the staff, and even though they may have some animosity and they want to see a guy lose, you know, lose, they they want Seattle to win this game. Okay, fair enough. And I think Seattle is going to win that game because Russell Wilson, I don't know what the Seattle's record was in one possession games last year, but it was ridiculous. And people, you know, they go up and down the roster and say, well, is Seattle's roster so much more talented than a number of other rosters in the National Football League? Well, maybe the answer is no, but the quarterback is just on a different level than most players in this league, most quarterbacks in this league. And he, he doesn't it. make mistakes. He, he doesn't he, make mistakes. He doesn't put your team in, in a bad spot. Four incompletions last week, four yeah, touchdown I mean, passes. You know, and, and he's continuing drives. The defense not on the field long time. They don't have to worry about a lot. I mean, that, that's kind of the key. I mean, you know, he's, you know, quarterbacks that, that cut down on their mistakes. Your team has a chance to win every week. I don't care if you're, Miami, it doesn't matter who you are. So that's that's key and instrumental. And then if he can play at a high level like he does, so he doesn't make mistakes, but yet he can still throw for 300-plus yards and four touchdowns. I mean, man, that's like – it's hard to find, man. You just don't get that. Who you got? Buffalo going down to Miami. We're taking a look at inside the division here. So let's let's finish it up with that matchup. Yeah, I like, uh, I like Buffalo. I mean, uh, you know, I, Miami's – you know, I think they're going to be up and down all over the place this year. That you're not going to get a good read on them. I think they're going to be a team that you know could play well, and then the next two weeks they be you know they just vanish, and then once in a while up and down. You know, Buffalo, I, I I'm I'm pretty confident. I think everybody sees what they have. You know, they're improving. You talked about Allen. You like you, you see him ascending. He definitely you know coming off his best game his career. You know, there'll be some confidence. You know, it doesn't guarantee them anything, but uh, you know from a quarterback position sometimes. Feeling good about yourself, having that confidence rolling into game two, that that can that can help you. Uh, during, we're going to we're gonna talk about this on the pregame show, but how does Adam get Sam Darnold into a rhythm early this week? Are, are there plays where you can scheme things up, where it's maybe an easy completion or to get him on the move? What would you do just so that? Because Sam said it himself. Listen, I got to take a deep breath 
you know, set myself in the pocket and, you know, get comfortable out there. Yeah. You know, he, he looked a little antsy to me, just kind of like, bam, bam, bam. you know, just, it's worse. And we talked about this in the pregame show where Sam's going to make his biggest strides at the quarterback position and where the great ones make their strides is, is pre-snap analysis, right? Now, pre-snap analysis is great because you are envisioning what's going to go on and where to go because where the defense dictates you to throw the football. But you also have a have to trust and have the, uh, the, the, the cohesion with the, the, with the receivers or the tight end, whoever that is. You know, Brashad Perryman's a new receiver, okay? He's, he's, he's going to watch the film. He's going to see things that Perryman did that were really good that maybe he missed. And now when those plays come back around, he's going to feel better about it if the, 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 the defense that he gets dictates him for getting the football. But, you know, again, it's just it's it's having patience, but it's in a timely manner because you don't have a lot of time either. Right. So, uh, again, it's just processing information fast, like the quarterbacks that can leave the huddle, see things. Guys are getting lined up. And then in those four or five seconds, if that can process that information to give them the best chance to succeed, they'll have good games. So, uh, you know, Sam can bounce back. Yeah, you can you can call slants and you can call hitches and those things are great. And if that's something that maybe you feel that quarterback needs. And you know, with the conversation, because that's what you saw, then fine. It, it looked like it was a little bit of an accuracy thing for, for Sam. So maybe he needed a couple wrinkles game one to kind of get his his kind of uh, confidence going early in the football game. Now, can he not make those throws that he threw to start a football game? Absolutely not. That's not the case. It's just that game one kind of that's just how it kind of played out for him. So and the run game can help, you know, play action passes are easy passes too down the field. You know, when when you get guys kind of you know, falling down, going for the run fake because you're running the ball effectively. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that they can do. I would expect Adam to try to get him in a groove early on in this football game. All right, listen, I want to get to college, but we're going to have to do that next week when the Mad Backer, uh, Bart Scott, joins us. I just wanted to get your thoughts as a former player, a guy who's covered uh, both the National Football League and college for a while now. You watching the game – What's your sense of the environment on the field? Do you think that has any impact on the players? And is this just, is this all odd that you look and you see the cameras pan throughout the stadium and there is absolutely nobody there? Yeah, I mean, from, from an audience perspective, I, I don't think there was – you couldn't tell. I mean, you know, they're pumping noise in. Um, you're hearing those things, which, yeah. which, you know, you would normally hear. So it, it, to me, it's the same from a player's perspective. You know, we talked about it, uh, you know, guys kind of emotionally get into games because of, you know, when big plays happen, they hear the crowd, they feed off the energy, you know, you don't, you don't really have that, but on, on the other end, guys aren't really like relying on the crowd to help them play better. Right. So it's, you know, there's some noise in the in this in the uh, in the stadium that they hear. Yeah. So there's there's an effect of it. Uh, but, um, you know, like situational stuff just gets harder, like third downs, key third downs, fourth goal line stuff where you would have an advantage if you were home and say you were the, the defense defending the bills uh, at your place into the goal line. The bills would wouldn't have a big deal trying to hear things and oper- and operate where they would if if they were on the road and, and trying to end those situations. So I think that's how it affects uh, the, the players is, you know, even though it's not a big deal, you're not hearing that kind of stuff. It's super loud. The other team does. So it's, it's now they don't have that, that uh, you don't have the luxury on defense or offense, whatever that scenario is that you can like, Oh man, you know, they, they may jump off size that there's so many things that can go wrong for a team on the road 
you know, when they're in those critical situations because of the crowd, you're not going to have that. So, again, it puts more stress on defense. I, I would assume just in, from a numbers perspective, third down conversions in general, I don't know what they were. Somebody, some stack guy will probably come up with this, but they're probably a little better, right? A little better than than week one last year, I would say. So maybe, maybe we can get those numbers. Two of 11 last week. <laughs> Who? Who's that? The 49ers were two of oh, 11, yeah, two 11. Well, I just think it's it's going to be odd Sunday. Jets home opener. It, you know this fan base, how pumped they get. And they used to – They typically we'd be out there at MetLife, me and you, and yeah. we'd see thousands of people out there in the parking lot tailgating things like that. So it's just odd having a home opener and, and knowing that your fans aren't going to be there. It's going to be different. But – I. Listen, you got a game under your belt. These guys are all professionals. Bless Austin told us the other day that, hey, man, when I was on the field, I'm so locked in. I don't even know what the hell is happening elsewhere. So I got to imagine that's the way it is for most professionals. But we're going to miss the fans out there, no doubt about that, because that's one of the it's one of the top things of the year, opening day. You know, and, and you celebrated that with the green and white faithful many times over the course of your playing career. Well, more fans will watch pregame central with us, right? <laughs> uh, at 11 a.m. when the games are at one, which is great. So we look to double or triple our viewership yeah. uh, on those platforms. And, 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 and again, it's, it is tough. I mean, even from a fan's perspective, these people want to go to the games. They want to tailgate. They, yeah. you know, this is like, you know, think about, you know, I, re- when I go drive to the stadium every game and, and come over there, I mean, I see the same RV, the same kind of people. They're out there. This is part of their life, right? That people look forward to this uh, every single season. And it stinks for the fans. You're right. So it plays on both ends of it. But, you know, from a player's perspective, you can get past it from a fan and, and from like everybody else. Or it's just, it will, it's, it's nuts, man. No fans. Like it's empty, 80,000. Seat stadiums are empty. It's just it's it's mind boggling. Uh, pre-game Central airs at eleven. You're going to be hearing a lot more from this guy Anthony Beck. Then Eric Coleman's going to join me here at One Jets Drive. Our linebacker was absent today, but the Mad Backer is going to join us next week. Right now, our podcast has the name of EA. A.B. and Bart Scott Landing Gear Podcast. But if people want to change that, send in some suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, because right now uh, we are an open book. Uh, 15 seconds. You're down there in Tampa. Tom Brady's opener was what? 15 seconds. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, he'll, uh, he'll be. it'll be better. It'll be better. They'll get better. They need some time. Look, man, the guy's been in the same system for 20 years. Same players, same operation. It's different now. I mean, heck, he's never been called out by a coach, and a coach called him out. And it was, and he shouldn't have called him out because it wasn't his fault. So he's dealing with those things, and that's new. So uh, they'll bounce back. But, man, I, you know, tough loss for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Great start on the pod today. We'll see you next week right here, but uh, pregame central, 11 a.m. Sunday. Thanks, A.B. One one thing I can say is I probably won't speak as much with Bart coming on the broadcast, so this is about the the magnitude of what I'll be saying. It will be our first episode. Yeah, you bet. You got your words in this one. Have a good one, brother.